Up for Debate presents The X Stands for Nothing, the unbelievably true story of the XFL. Tonight, episode number 129, recorded November 14th, 2018. Chapter 3, The Mad Scramble. The Rock says he's all psyched about the XFL. Oh, wait a minute. The Rock is inside. He's pumped about the XFL. No, 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 no. The Rock isn't pumped. The Rock is geeked about the XFL. Yeah, that's it. The Rock is geeked. Oh, wait a minute. The Rock was geeked last week, so The Rock can't be geeked now. The Rock is more than that. The Rock says he's cranked about the XFL. As a matter of fact, The Rock is just like everybody else in America. We're all psyched, pumped, geeked, and cranked. So to all the coaches in the XFL, to all the players in the XFL, and on behalf of the fans in the XFL, The Rock simply says, just bring it. Just bring it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate Presents. I am Sean Jennings, joined by our own uh, uh, head of cheerleading for the XFL, Matt Mariani. He'll go, uh, he'll go deep with the cheerleaders any day. Uh, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, yeah, I feel mostly uncomfortable because this hat is very tight. Yeah, I've for some reason, for the show, we, Matt and I have learned uh, we've learned the hard lesson that uh, old XFL gear is very ill-fitting. Yeah. Now this is the I will admit this is the first visor I've ever owned, the first like tennis visor. So it is a, an odd look on you. And if if those of you watching on the video, this is the Los Angeles Extreme. Uh, real deal, authentic, 100% um, real deal team memorabilia right yes. here. Yeah, I tried to get a Tommy Maddox signed one. Very hard to find. I'm sure it is. Very hard to find. And of course, Tom Matt, Maddox. Mm-hmm. I've got on my number 30 Las Vegas Outlaws. He hate me jersey, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, yeah. So here we are with part three. Part three. Thanks, everybody, for coming back for this exciting multi-part look at the XFL. If you missed the first two chapters, I can't recommend enough. You go listen to them. It gives you a great foundation of what we'll be talking about. It's over at UpForDebate.tv or wherever you get your podcast, Matt. Tonight, chapter three. We ended last time with, uh, we talked about training camp. We talked about all the rules, the players, the team, setting the stage for the league. And Matt, the day is finally here, February 3rd, 2001. Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada's for the ultimate XFL kickoff matchup, your Las Vegas Outlaws against the New York, New Jersey Hitmen. Indeed. And, and uh, tell me tell me a little bit about the uh, the backstory for this game. Like what uh what did the teams do to prepare? What did they what did Jesse Ventura how did he drum up the advertising for this game? Oh, Matt, there has been hype for this game like yeah. you wouldn't believe. Vince McMahon is changing the face of football. The No Fun League becomes the Extra Fun League. Um, we have seen all kinds of big TV promotions with f- wrecking balls smashing into players and sexy cheerleaders in the locker room. We've had Jesse Ventura incoherently babbling something about football and players and passion, <laughs> uh, which we get plenty of in this game. Uh, we've got the hype train. Rolling forward, America's excited. It's Saturday night on NBC. No place you'd rather be, Matt. And of course, kickoff, you know, we're going to focus mainly tonight on the Outlaws Hitmen game because that was the nationally televised game. But they played four games 
um, as they do every one of the 10 weeks of the XFL, no bye weeks. Um, the primary game was Hitman Outlaws, and the second, what they call the regional game, was the Orlando Rage versus the Chicago Enforcers. Uh, and then the other teams played as well. Hmm. Yeah, um, it, it's weird. I I have a recollection of watching XFL games on on TV. Really, I I do. I I, I but I always I'm getting them very much confused with arena football. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure which one I was watching. I think mm-hmm. I think it was. I think I remember watching the XFL. Like um and and, and for a little bit of for homework, I I actually watched. Uh, I watched some highlights from from some of the games on YouTube, just kind of like uh, fast forwarded to certain parts and like looked at looked at uh, mostly. I just doing it mostly for the broadcasting because that's hysterical. Um, but I but I had like vague like little moments of deja vu where I was like, ah, I remember, I kind of remember seeing this on TV, and this was one of those games. This yeah, first- we'll, we'll talk about the ratings at the end of this, but a lot of uh, America tuned in to check out, investigate what the XFL was all about, football as you've never seen it before. And Matt, the game opens, the very first thing. Well, actually, did you know there was a pregame show? Uh, no, no, I did not. There actually was. It wasn't nationally televised. It was one of those things that uh, uh, individual cities had the option to play before the game. Um but it was great. I saw a wonderful clip of the pregame for the very first game, and they did this little comedy bit where they had all the stars of NBC try to explain what the XFL is, with the joke being they don't know what the XFL is. So it would be like, oh, you know, uh, Allison, uh, um, Allison, what's her face from Days of Our Lives was there, and she's like, I think there's no fair catches, and then the announcer's like, correct, and then it'd be like, (laughs) David Allen Greer's like, I think you can punch guys in the nuts, and then the announcer's like, wrong. (laughs) It was very weird to make fun of this sport that was supposed to be really exciting, and no one knew what it was. Mm. Um, But Matt, the game opens with a montage. The music starts. Guys are smashing into each other. Words flash on the screen. Smash, mouth. Passion. No fair catch. My favorite word, just controversy. Don't know what that means. <laughs> paid to play, paid more to win. XFL logo. Very exciting. And by the way, I do recommend if anyone is as lame as we are, I actually sat and watched an entire half of the kickoff game. The full game is available on YouTube. You can watch it. I don't recommend it. At least see the opening bit up to gameplay, and then the game is awful. But. Well, that was, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into this, but that was the probably the largest obstacle, I would argue, that the XFL had to face was the quality of play. Or oh, rather, God, yeah. the, the largest obstacle to viewership. I mean, the quality of play did not meet the, the advertising and the hype, which is why you got, you know, such massive ratings for this first, uh, this first uh, game in the season – and then such, you know, everything that followed after that, yeah, drastically different. So, it, yeah, the hype, the hype just didn't match the quality of play. The quality of play was was very much like um, Canadian Football League or 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 a um, like a some kind of bush league. It, it was even a lot of people thought it was even like lesser than uh, college yeah. college play. And I, I think it was kind of uh, you could kind of see that you can kind of make the point that it was 
it was like that because a lot of the maybe a lot of the players from from I might be totally off base here, but a lot of the players from college didn't develop they didn't go on to develop into the NFL. They ended up doing these these are a lot of the rejects, basically. Yep. The NFL rejects that were doing something else. You know, they were flipping burgers or driving taxis or being, you know, maybe even longshoremen or something like that. And then, um, you know, the, the, they rediscovered their passion for football through the XFL. So I, I don't think a lot of them got a lot of training, I guess, is what I'm trying to say is well, that maybe that's what the, where the quality of play, uh, why it was the way it was. Yeah, well, and I think part of it, too, you know, th- there's always been this debate where um, people have said, oh, the, the best team, could the best team in college football beat the worst NFL team in a game? Like right now, Alabama's by far the best team in college. Could they beat like the Buffalo Bills, one of the worst teams in the league this year? And it's it, it, the more you think about it, it's you have to realize from Alabama alone, maybe three or four of their guys are going to go on to the NFL, are good enough to make the NFL. The reason they win a lot is because they're better than college teams, not that they're better than NFL teams. It's just on totally different levels. So you're right. That's why so many college players go to the NFL and struggle. And the XFL is made up of guys who weren't good enough to go to the NFL or went to the NFL, didn't succeed, or old retired players who came out of retirement. I mean, by default, you're starting this with a lower quality of product. Now, could you make the argument it could be as good as college? Maybe. You know, you're not going to get NFL caliber quality. Could you get college quality? Maybe, and people seem to like college football. Um, But as we mentioned last week, these teams had no uh, exhibition practice before this first game. There were two exhibition games. Uh, Both of uh, the Outlaws and the Hitmen did play, but that was one game they played before they started the season learning new plays, working under new coaches. Even if the raw talent's there, they certainly weren't coached in a way to succeed in this first game. And as we talk about that opening montage with all these keywords, we didn't get any of this in the game, which we'll get to in a minute. But Smash Mouth, nah, okay. Passion, who cares? No fair catch ended up not being much of a factor anyway because it didn't lead to any big runbacks or fumbles. Controversy, uh, whatever. Uh, paid to play, paid more to win, okay. You know, it's like, not a lot there. Well, yeah, I, I, and that that kind of came to be all because this was an idea that obviously wasn't wasn't fleshed out. It was like the kind of like the horse before the cart. It was, um, or the cart before the horse, rather. This well, was the cart before the horse. It, it was the entertainment before the sport. I think really is what it comes down to. Was they didn't spend enough time making sure the football was good. They spent a lot of time, and that leads to. After the opening montage in the very first game of the XFL comes another bit with the biggest star in the WWF at the time, just about to break out into movies, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. His theme music starts. He's got on, he pulls off the glasses and he goes, they, how, how does it go exactly? The, the, the Rock is psyched for the XFL. No, no, no. The Rock's not psyched. He's pumped for the XFL. No, no, no. The Rock's not pumped for the XFL. He's geeked for the XFL. No, no, no. The Rock's not geeked. He's cranked for the XFL. No, no, no. The Rock's not psyched, pumped, geeked, or cranked for the XFL. The Rock is ready for the XFL. So to the XFL, I say, just bring it. And then he does the eyebrow thing, the eye- <laughs> which, I, which I cannot. Patented eyebrow. I could... I used to be able to do it. Yeah, I feel like I've outgrown I, that. But the, I can but the, only do it. I think I can only do it in one eye. The other eye doesn't. It doesn't. I don't think it goes that way. 
bit. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, that one one of the most awkward introductions. <laughs> just uh, like I don't. Well, even because know. It, it really has nothing to do with wrestling. That's what's incredible about it. Why is The Rock introducing a wrestle uh, a football game? Theoretically, th- it's the really the only wrestling part about it is The Rock. So it's kind of an mm-hmm. uh, I get that he's a big star, but to to bring it i guess it's trying to bring in the wrestling fans to the game but it is it is a bit of a an odd introduction well let's sure. look at let, let's let's look at that um so vince one one of the big one of the big inspirations obviously coming from vince mcmahon uh himself is, is this wrestling element this wwe element that he was trying to incorporate in football and something that I think something that I, you could say did work in his favor is that these are two um, these are two sports where uh, it, it's geared very much to a to a similar audience. You have a similar demographic. Oh, yeah. You have ma- males that um, are probably between like probably in their I would say like mid. Mid, mid, early to mid thirties to all the way up to like late fifties would probably be like your your key demographic. Maybe we can skew a little younger. Maybe Wait, like key, key demographic for what? You lost me there. For fo- for for football and for and for wrestling. I mean, would you say it would be a similar demographic? Yeah. What I understand about the demographics of the sport, wrestling for sure skews younger. I mean, the thing about yeah. football, it's America's most popular wrestling sport for a reason. Does. So it skews wide. It skews wide. You get thirteen year olds and you get sixty year olds in football. Um. Uh, wrestling absolutely skews younger. And that was one of the selling points of the XFL was we're going to be a younger product for a younger uh, generation. And the idea is that advertisers pay more money to reach younger people, especially young males, we'll say 13 to 28. And, I'm, and you know, they're different ranges, but but right around there. Um, yeah, that's extremely valuable yeah. for advertising. There's a reason why Family Guy is still on television. Because it's not a good show. And not even that many people watch it. But males of that age watch it, and so there's a bunch of Old Spice commercials and things like that, and energy drink commercials. They can sell that product. So that's what the XFL really wanted, and when we talk about the ratings later, we'll see the impact that had, but definitely a younger skewing audience than the NFL. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole section in the in the book um, of uh, the uh, that talks about um, the long bomb, that talks about... Uh, talks about how the uh, NBC, how the network NBC like desperately wanted football back on their network. Yeah, we talked about this on our and first episode. We did. We also talked about it and we but um we didn't talk about really the 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 revenue yeah. that that and the um the advertising piece to it, you know, is it was a huge draw and but anyway, the these uh, the wrestling. When you add something like wrestling to the NFL, it, it's very difficult to script the NFL. Like, oh yeah, I think it's something that they learned, um, albeit too late, is that at the fo- football is not a sport that is so easily scripted, and, and I don't think they ever figured that. I, I, like I said, I don't think they figured that out until it was too late. They probably thought they were going to get, you know, with this showmanship that uh, Vince McMahon brought to the table. They probably thought they were going to get some, uh, you know, some some hardcore WWE fans 
this was going to be like their football. And at the time, WWE was kind of reaching its its apex, right? Wasn't it? It was reaching its its like uh, peak of its empire. Yeah, essentially. So like, um, I, I think they th- this this vision, this dream to combine the two. Um, I got to commend him. I think this it was a you know obviously very lofty vision, but but to the quality of play you know, lagging so far behind that of professional football combined with this not well fleshed out, not well fleshed out concept of how do we, how do we meld wrestling with football? Eventually is what did them in. Yeah. And they, and they do it throughout, you know, uh, we talk about the first few minutes of the opening game after the rock comes out, Vince McMahon walks out on the field, founder of the XFL, uh, head of WWF wrestling at the time, um, comes out and is the face of the league. I mean, he's 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 front and center, uh, a wrestling man introducing this league. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, a quote here. Thank you for the privilege of competing before you here tonight. <laughs> any, any to our worldwide audience of fans. Thank you. And then, of course, he has his famous iconic line. This is the XFL. <laughs> um, and then the fireworks go off. And then the teams are introduced and they come out. Um, and uh, and we get our first introduction to the uh, tag team of Matt Vescursion and Governor Jesse the Body Ventura. Which is one of the weirdest things where all throughout the broadcast where Matt keeps calling him Body. Or the body. <laughs> That's right, the body. And then we talked. It's very weird. Um, and God, their chemistry is undeniably awkward. Yeah. Um, now, having watched, we you know we both watched the thirty for thirty documentary on the you know this this was the XFL. Yes. And um, they they mention they mention their chemistry on the show. They actually have um, Jesse Ventura makes a very brief appearance, but uh, Matt Viscursion. Uh, it gives a pretty lengthy segment where he talks about their their on screen chemistry and um, it, he all the whole time if you watch one of these games um, that where they're both announcing it, like he Vescursion is is try like he's very clearly a young unseasoned um, announcer that's trying to make it in the league and. I think prior to this, he was only covering regional baseball or something like that. Or yeah, something he had along done a lines. little bit of football, but certainly not much. So yeah, so he's really he's really trying to cut his teeth in in this uh, this profession, and he's good. He's just a little bit unseasoned, and and but meanwhile, to right next to him is is uh, the governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, who is is just like. Doing he he's the wrestling announcer. So you've got like the wrestling. It's even in the announcership that it looks like Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol are trying their best to to just meld wrestling and and professional football together. Because um, you've got you know you've got your your sports guy Matt Viscursion and you've got your wrestling guy Jesse Ventura. Like and they're very much caricatures I would say of of their of their profession caricatures of their broadcasting profession 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about a traditional two man football booth, right? You usually have a play by play and a color commentator, right? And it's the play by place guy. He says, all right, lining up at the third and five at the 11 yard line, the quarterback takes the ball spike, you know, and and kind of narrates the game. And then it's the other guy's job to say, oh, well, Jim, on that last play, you see, and they circle the thing. Oh, they step back here and you see the, the incoming guy, number 38 here coming, you know, giving context to the game. That's their job. Meanwhile, you've got Matt Vaskirjan and Jesse the Body Ventura. Matt Vaskirjan doing his best to do the play-by-play and explain the lining up at the center line and, and five, you know, penalty on the play and all this. And meanwhile, Jesse Ventura is just spouting, just absolute, yeah, you know, man, I loved on that play. The play, they fought hard for every yard on that. Every cliche you can think of, you know, they, they keep moving those chains up and down the field, and I think these guys are out there giving it their all, and... Oh, boy, it was... Out uh, there fighting for every last yard, every inch. Every, they're going to fight for every every inch, every blade of grass they can take. And they're bleeding out there, and they're sweating out there. And, yeah. and, you know, the other thing I noticed, too, that I think really killed them is, and we'll talk about this, but, you know, one of the innovative things about the XFL was the all-access, as they called it, where everyone is wearing a microphone, um, the sideline reporters are constantly getting in people's faces, it felt to me like Matt and Jesse never had the opportunity, I'm sorry, Matt and the governor never had the opportunity to get a good rhythm going because it would almost, it seemed like between every play or every two plays, they'd be cutting to something else. That wasn't the two of them. So they do two plays. Uh, and now uh, what's his face on the sideline is with coach Rusty Tillman. Uh, and they'd be asking him or they'd cut to the coach and the players talking, or they'd cut to the, 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 the helmet communications and the players in the huddle. Again, interesting stuff for the fans at home, but if you're an announcer, I have to imagine it's very difficult to get a rapport going and a good conversation going when you can only do it in these very small bits. I think that format really worked against them. Right. Um, it, that was, it was just not, and obviously the, the, the lack of rehearsal. I mean, we talk about, we talk about the lack of rehearsal for the players, but how about for the broadcasters? Yep. How about for everybody involved with uh, behind the scenes, put, putting the show to, or, or up front, you know, other than the players, putting this, this, uh, putting this, this package together. Yeah. Um, in, in, uh, in something that I, you know, an event, an infamous event for the XFL. I don't know. Will we be talking about it today? The big, the big, uh, the big short, we'll call it. Oh, that's now. next week. That's okay. next week. So we'll see. We'll see when that happens. Um, how how you know crucial or beneficial, uh, you know, just a couple of of games of rehearsal would have could have been. And, and you know, it was interesting to me. Uh, you know, not to sort of put down uh, the WWF here, but um, the parts that NBC Sports contributed, which was pretty much most of the the technical work, the camera work, the production aspect of it. Um, I actually thought went off pretty well in this game. The cameras were, you know, for the they've never had this many cameras. They've never had this many microphones to manage. The X cam, the Sky cam was new. I thought technically all of that worked pretty well, and they they produced a visually compelling product um, from a technical perspective. Where the wrestling part came in, which was who chose the announcers, who got the players, operated the football game. That was where it really fell apart. So I, 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 I do hesitate to put too much of it on NBC Sports because I think, respectively, from a technical, a pure technical aspect, it actually wasn't a bad game um, if, that I thought as a viewer. Uh, the first game, yeah, I, I, I it was, uh, 
Nothing. I don't think anything incredibly exciting happened, but no. Um, but they didn't fuck up, which is which is something to say for <laughs> you know true. that that, yeah, that there, all the cameras was, worked and in that um, game. There, in that there game, was we'll yeah. talk about their other one. Uh, now, Matt. Uh, after we get a little bit of Matt and Jesse, after the the fireworks and Vince McMahon, we actually get into the football part, and we're introduced to the director of XFL competition, former NFL great Dick Butkus, right. Who comes on the field to introduce one of the new innovations the XFL is bringing to the world of sports, the scramble. No, it's not a fun egg dish. It's instead a heated competition. No coin flips. Uh, as he says, uh, in the in the XFL, we don't do coin flips. No way, Jose, as he, <laughs> as he famously says. Um, instead, it's the scramble. We talked about this last week. Two players run uh, to the center of the field. Whoever comes up with the ball at the end gets possession uh, of the ball to start the game and overtime. Um, and we had a very exciting scramble. I thought Jamal Williams for uh, Las Vegas won the scramble. Um, the ball got a little loose, bumbled around a little bit there, and uh, Las Vegas ended up coming with it, the home team. Yeah. Um, this was uh, very much a wrestling idea, I think. Uh I, I I bet if you if you were to ask Vince, like what his first thought would have been, he probably would have been like, "Let's throw the ball between these two guys and have them just punch each other until one of them gives up or dies or something, and then and then the other guy gets to keep the ball, and and his team gets to kick it off." And they're probably like walking back, like, "Okay." Let's let's uh, let's make this a little bit safer or like uh, less less like a murder or something like that. Like, I think he 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 uh, probably started off with like, with, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's where that's where this idea began. Oh, for like, sure. Let's just beat each other up and, and see one of us will get the ball. Well, they, they looked at what are the what are the quote unquote wimpiest parts of football or the least exciting parts of football. And a coin toss is, I think we can all agree, not very interesting. Actually, there was a, there was a great story of a uh, in. I believe in England, in their football league, a referee at a game in their women's league uh, forgot to bring a coin to the game, made the players do rock, paper, scissors. Uh, he was later suspended for uh, for that. Mm. But I mean, it's the same idea. No, it totally is. Still and chance. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but there's no skill involved. So I think that's where the the scramble, com- the opening scramble comes in. Mm. Um, now, interestingly enough, I mentioned Jamal Williams gets it for Las Vegas, but famously, somewhat infamously, um, the regional game, as I mentioned, Orlando versus Chicago, um, it resulted in the XFL's first ever injury. Uh, Hassan Shamid Dean uh, suffered a separated shoulder on the opening scramble and ended up missing the entire season. Um, and a large number of the scrambles, somewhat, some estimate more than half. I don't have the exact statistic um, of the scrambles resulted in some type of injury. And so they stopped doing it after a while. Yeah. Um. So, so what? It, so they just reverted to a, a coin toss after that, right? Yeah, Basically. I don't. You know, the XFL is one of those things, Matt, that no one took the time to write. Like, I was trying to find the game statistics for the first one, like a drive chart or any. Very hard to find. Um, so I don't know what actually happened num- to it. Numbers are for wusses, Sean. Yeah, numbers. Numbers are for are for are for little um, 
pansies. Well, what's funny, Matt, is the few sites you do find the, this information on are like horrible late 90s websites that clearly uh, haven't been touched in a decade where it's all like weird flash plugins that are broken and like banner ads for things that don't exist anymore. It's it's uh, such a throwback. It's great. Yeah, it's like going back in time. It's like yeah, it's like it reminds me of those uh, those Angel Fire or Angel yep. Press websites. Yeah, that yep. like very geo like cities. Google sites, geo cities. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty gross. It was like Google sites way before Google sites. Oh look, they have fan- XFL Fantasy Football League. Mm-hmm. We, we we should start that back up. Fantasy XFL. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Anyhow, uh, getting off topic here. So, Matt, um, after the scramble, uh, we get treated to another XFL classic, okay? Because we've been introduced at this point in the first game to most every aspect of the XFL except for one. Cut to a very weird and entirely uncomfortable montage of the XFL cheerleaders set to the song, I Like Girls. I counted, Matt. It lasted for a full 60 seconds which in television time is an eternity of girls, no cutaways, just girls from extremely low angles um, (laughs) and with very revealing outfits, shaking aggressively. Um, It was uh, pretty gross. And, and that's where we'll, we'll hearken back to, to my quote from earlier. You know, I feel uncomfortable is is what, is what that's Matt Vaskersian's reaction to, um, to the girls and allegedly as he explains in the documentary um, the 30 for 30 he says that he had um, uh, Dick Abersall in one ear telling him to you know literally in one ear like uh, in his headset telling him say something you know we want you to say something but keep it professional remember you're representing the network and then in his other ear where he had his um, he had uh, his other his other voice Vince McMahon, was Vince McMahon yeah. who was saying like, you know, basically like say something hit it hard or raunchy or like some, yeah, something that's going to, something that's going to like, you know, add to this like display that the sickening display that this cameraman is, is putting on. And, uh, that's what he ends up with is he just says, I feel uncomfortable or, or yeah, yep. I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable. And so it pisses both of them off. So, so he's, you know, neither of them are happy with, with, with Matt, with poor Matt Viscursion. It's a very honest moment though. I do appreciate oh, yeah, that because you're watching it and you're like, he does truly feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> he's not just I mean, saying but, this. But I, I think he probably did represent a lot of the people that were, that were watching. Um, but it's inter- it's just interesting. This visual that you have of, of the literal, like, you know, the angel and shoulder, those meta- angel on your shoulder and devil on your shoulder. Uh, the metaphorical, you know, two things. It's kind of like that. It, it, you know, you, you have that in this situation. Yeah, two guys you don't want to be between. That's for sure. Funny stuff. Um, and yeah, Matt, that leads us into the game. This exciting, thrilling football match between these two teams. Right. Any any thoughts on the football play, Matt? Um, like I said before, I I don't I wasn't terribly impressed one way or another. Um, there were some good plays, I think that, uh, would have been, I think they would have definitely have been college worthy, maybe even NFL worthy. Sure. But uh, all in all the, like the quality of play from day one stank. It just, it just wasn't, it wasn't 
up to NFL standards. And I think an audience that's used to seeing NFL caliber play week after week after week. I, I mean, there is there there is potentially an argument to say like this was this was still this this XFL premiered when football was still going on. Like it was it was in the playoffs, I think, of their or it was toward the end of their season. No, no, it was right after the Super Bowl. So it was the season was over. Yeah. The season had just ended. All right, yep. the season had just ended. So it was kind of filling a void. I thought it was playoffs where it was only filling like the regular season every week void, but it was filling like a, I guess a total void that the that people were about to experience. So it was kind of like it was going to extend the football league, um, except the season. But it's still just not the same. The, the quality of play was not the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm Matt, I'll just throw some statistics out here for you. Um, cause it was funny uh, during the halftime show, uh, they did a highlight reel that was devastatingly short. Um, there was not much to highlight, including, uh, these are full game stats, but, uh, two interceptions, four fumbles. Um, they went a combined, and this is staggering, a combined five for 25 on third down, which is horrible. Um, nothing about this game was particularly great. Um, in the first quarter, Las Vegas scores the first points in the XFL, a field goal. McCallum kicks a 23-yard field goal um, about midway through the first. And then uh, Las Vegas closes out the first quarter with a touchdown, uh, a 14-yard pass, Ryan Clement to Brady. Not that Brady, different Brady. Um, and then as we roll into the second quarter, uh, Las Vegas gets an early field goal. Uh, McCallum, uh, a 31-yarder. And then Las Vegas throws a touchdown just before the half, a 27-yard pass um, to, to Jenkins, and then they do a two-point conversion because there's no extra points in the XFL, which brings our halftime score 19-0. to zero. The New York, New Jersey hitmen have been horrific. They go one for 11 on third down throughout the game um, and zero for three on fourth down. Yeah. Yeah. Just 205 yards of total offense. Um, generally generally bad including a missed field goal so uh no no the the make no mistake about it uh the play was extremely weak um i will say one thing that really i thought was so we talked a lot about this uh a lot of action going on for the viewers at home uh you can hear in the huddle you can hear the helmet to helmet communication you can hear when the coaches are talking to the players at the halftime you hear the coaches talking to the players about the plays the problem matt is that when you don't have an experienced football guy in the booth you don't know what they're talking about. It drove me crazy because you'd hear in the the the, the helmet, uh, all right, uh, route Z30 to the left, uh, number 23 in open coverage, and they'd go into the hu- – like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I need some – you know, like you watch Tony Romo now on CBS. I give him a lot of credit. He, like, explains the plays to you and is like, oh, they ran uh, this kind of route, and he went here. Like, there was no context. So I'm hearing all this gibberish, and for the viewer at home, I'm like – what I don't like, I'm sure this is interesting to somebody, but like talk about, and for a wrestling audience, forget about it. Yeah. There, <laughs> especially a wrestling audience. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the thing that, that, that is interesting here for the, is, is basically that, that this was supposed to attract viewers, right? This was supposed to, like people, this is the thing that people would be talking about is this, like, we're going to go behind where you've never been. We're going to, we're going to give you the ultimate 
the ultimate football experience by putting you on the field. You're going to feel like you're on the field. And in reality, it actually ended up isolating many of the fans because they were more confused than ever. Yeah, it turns out we didn't want to go there. Yeah. Or at least not um, without a chaperone. Right. Like a Tony Romo. Tony Romo could have been our chaperone. Yeah, just someone who could explain what they were talking, because it would be like, I didn't even know if it was a pass or a run play. Like, there was just so little context to what the information that was being received. Yeah. It was, that, uh, by it was the bad. way, that, that aside, a quick, I guess, kind of a related tangential thing is uh, uh, Monday night's game, Monday night, this, this week, uh, I, I, I happened to catch the Monday night game between the Cowboys and Eagles. Mm. And um, the, uh, the, I think it was, um, I think it was the Eagles were on offense. And um, the quarterback kept saying, chocolate, 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 too much chocolate, too much chocolate. I still don't know what that meant, but it uh, it obviously meant something to do with the defense. He was reading the defense. And yeah. yeah that was that code. Now. Chocolate was code for something because he, he said chocolate several times and then followed it with too much chocolate, too much chocolate. Well, there was a great, uh, I don't know if it was this past weekend or the weekend before, but Jared Goff, quarterback for the Rams, uh, was caught on mic at the line yelling, Halle Berry, Halle Berry, (laughs) Halle Berry. And Halle Berry uh, tweeted the clip at Jared Goff on Twitter and said, "Uh, what's a Halle Berry? What's what's a Halle Berry play? And he replied, "Uh, it's my favorite play, winky face. So, you know, fun stuff from the NFL. Slick maneuver there, sir. It's the mm-hmm. it's the fun league, um, or the not fun league, the no fun league. No, not like the XFL, Matt. You know, one thing that I found really fun when watching the game was that they kept as if as if to tease their audience. Wow, you guys are watching this nineteen to zero, and that nineteen is a very misleading number because it shouldn't be that high. But a very boring game. We're gonna show you highlights. Thrilling highlights from the Orlando-Chicago game you're not watching. So they would cut from like, oh, and another fumble by Ryan Clement on the Las Vegas Outlaws. Let's go to Orlando where they scored their third touchdown of the game and like fireworks go off, (laughs) big highlights. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) Why can't I be watching that game? And it's funny. We'll get to that. But fans did end up getting to watch that game, but we haven't gotten there yet. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened. Um uh, the halftime show, we talked about it. X's and O's in the locker room. Players eating orange slices and sitting quietly. It was very boring. Um, the commentators complained that Rusty Tillman, coach of the Hitmen, was too focused on coaching and not focused enough on yelling. They literally said that. Um, <laughs> and then Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, in an effort to say, because Matt Vaskersian said, well, not much to get excited about in this game or something like that. And then uh, Jesse the Body Ventura came out with, well, well, Matt, people are out here having fun tonight. Uh, that was his big selling point for the game so far. So that was how things were at half. Yeah. Uh, and that anger, that rage only builds within Jesse Ventura. Mm, that, a precursor that- of things to come. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's for now at halftime, he's got his eyes set on uh, on the head coach of uh, of of the hitmen. And uh, well, and, and that definitely blows up later on a name to remember. 
which is amazing, which is really, really an amazing, um, amazing thing. Because this poor guy, he was just trying to, Tillerman was just trying to, um, really just trying to do his job. Like, he's just trying to coach a football team. You know, he loves football. He's, he knows about football. And he's just trying to coach. Yeah. And um, what Jesse ends up ends up getting into with him is just classic XFL. Yep. Yep, it's the brand they've set for themselves. Hmm. Um, we also, uh, coming out of the half, we see uh, David Spade is in attendance at this game pr- promoting his new movie, Joe Dirt. Yeah, was he dressed in character? I can't remember. No, but he was wearing a Joe Dirt hat. Right. He just had the hat. Just he didn't the have hat. the mullet, though. No, no. I no. think that would have he would have fit right in, you know, if he had just oh, totally. worn, worn the mullet. That's their prime demographic, I think. Totally. Joe Dirts. The Joe Dirts of the world. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, Rusty Tillman yells at a cameraman to get out of his way because he's blocking his view during a uh, hitman missed field goal. Um, and the second half, the third quarter is, is entirely inept and boring. No one scores. Nothing happens. Minutes into the fourth quarter, Matt, the, the XFL is desperate. They realize we've delivered a shit product here. The first half was gross. Second half, not shaping up to be any better. What do they do? They hit the panic button. <clears throat> We're going to Orlando. So they cut the game and they switch to the regional telecast. The end of the Orlando-Chicago game. At this point, the score was, and I'm estimating, I don't know this, but it was about like 27-23, high scoring, a couple touchdowns, a couple big interceptions, um, a much more exciting game. But we're also introduced, Matt. If you thought Matt Viscursion and Jesse the Body Ventura were a bad commentator uh, pair, then let me introduce you to Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, who both wrestling commentators and are horrible football commentators, who say very gross things about the cheerleaders. Um, And I have a... uh, from long, my copy of Long Bomb here, um, these are things they said about the cheerleaders. Uh, and mind you, this is a very short list. It was much longer. Uh, I got a 15-yard penalty for roughing the cheerleaders during the break. I like to use the terms wide receiver and tight end around the cheerleaders. They had backfields in motion all night, they being the cheerleaders. So, yeah, very gross. Yeah. Now we've now we've got a sound bite, by the way. We've got a nice sound bite of you <laughs> saying those things. So <laughs> we could totally just play that out of context there. Matt, I've done six hundred hours of podcasts. They can make me say or do <laughs> anything they want. I'm not worried about it. Believe you me. Uh yeah. But so these these two guys, yeah, these two these two announcers totally gross. This is the both wrestling um world commentators. Um don't have a whole lot of relevant information uh, to talk about football-wise, but uh, apparently they're they're much more into the cheerleaders anyway. So it's a it's a lot of uh, hooey and yeehaw and, and look at that! Whoa, hey, whoa, gee, whoa, what's going on? Hey, you know, it's a lot of that for like an hour. Um, as they wrap up the fourth quarter at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, where uh, the pyrotechnics go off prematurely there's still a second on the clock but the fireworks go off anyway um and uh i should have written down i didn't even write down who won that game i think it was orlando the rage and that concludes matt the uh the kickoff uh, game of the xfl um 
Well, we, we, we forgot about after the game, right? Well, that's Where, what we got to get to now. So there yeah. were there were okay. definitely some ramifications in this game. First and foremost, following the game, uh, we, we saw this in the documentary, Matt Viscursion leaving Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas gets pulled into Vince McMahon's limousine uh, and is basically told, you screwed up, buddy. Uh, <laughs> next time, listen to Vince. Um, and he gets demoted. And I can't, Matt, I have to be honest with you, I can't think of a bigger punishment than being downgraded to the B cast with uh, with uh, uh, Jerry Lawler. Um, yeah. The uh, Jim Ross was promoted to the national telecast in place of of Vescursion, who went down to be joined uh, to join with Lawler uh, until week six when Vescursion <laughs> was re promoted. So so where where does McMahon like what specific incident? is McMahon citing here when he tells Viscursion he's, he's screwed up. Like, is it the part where it's the I'm uncomfortable part? He didn't Google the cheerleaders or he didn't sell the product, man. He didn't didn't sell the product. product. So basically what McMahon wanted Viscursion to be more like a, like a more like one of his wrestling announcers. Is that what it was? That what it was? Yeah. He wanted him to be more of like a showman Yep. or more of like, um, What's that? What's the term? Kfab. He yeah. wanted to be like he wanted him to be a Kfab guy. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not it, it, Vince McMahon did not want to deliver information via his commentators. He wanted to deliver excitement and action. It wasn't about the players on the field. It was about the commentators. You know, in the same way, wrestling's exciting, but you need people to wrap the wrestling in an even more exciting wrapper. Um, and he wasn't getting that with Viscursion. Yeah. I, I guess maybe he 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 saw after that broadcast he saw Vescursion as part of the elite, which is what he specifically calls um, he specifically calls uh, uh, Costas Costas later on yeah yeah later specifically calls Costas a, um, a part of the broadcasting elite or the elite or something like that elitist calls him an elitist. Um, and I, I think this is where he sees Viscurzo. Oh, this guy is a network elitist. Like he's just going to, he wants to actually talk about the sport, which is not what, what I want. So yeah, he fires him down. So that's the, that's the number one thing that happens is McMahon takes him in to his limo, kind of like a bond villain and, <laughs> and tells him about, um, you know, how he's, he's been demoted. And then the second, the second, uh, event, in the aftermath of these games, uh, is, uh, is what I, um, find hysterical. I find this one hysterical. Um, and that's the Jesse Ventura, um, Rex Tillerson or, um, altercation. Go on. Oh, you want me to talk about? I thought. Yeah, okay. I thought this was later in the season, but maybe I'm confused. Is it? Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was later in the season. I don't. I don't think it immediately followed this game. I think. It, I thought it percolated no, for a few weeks. I think you're right, but the the seeds were definitely so. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. Yeah. And you know, the the league was betting on uh, Rusty being an aggressive personality. Rusty that was Tillerson. one of yeah. the, the things that excited them about um, having him on board. And Jesse knew that. I mean, he's not an idiot. He comes from all the wrestling. He knows where you pick a fight and where you don't. And and he was really putting his his eggs in the tiller uh, the tiller tillerson basket. 
Yeah, you're right. This does happen. This happens in like the penultimate game of the season. Yeah, it's 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 later on. I think in mm-hmm. Green Bay, as much or Chicago. Later on. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's when the enforcers go to uh, the the uh, hitmen hitman. play the enforcers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll circle back to that. But um, totally. Matt, one other big thing yeah. happened following this game. Uh, and that's a TV rating. So, you know, um, fun fact, there were 30,384 people in attendance in Las Vegas. Um, but it wasn't about the in-person attendance. It was about the television ratings, okay? Very important. This was a brand new thing for NBC. They were trying for the first time. And all eyes were on, did anybody watch? Now, Matt, the way it works in television advertising is uh, most of the time people buy ads. They put them on TV. It's pretty straightforward. But um, oftentimes when there is a new television experiment or a new idea something advertisers may be risky on they guarantee minimums in terms of the ratings where they say if it scores below this in the ratings you will get a refund or a buyback is what they call it because then they it's kind of like a gift card you can use to put your ad in another show um and if it gets over that rating you just pay us and it's a win-win for both of us it's to protect the advertisers what the xfl promised was a five share for the premiere game. Now, Matt, do you know what a share is in the world of television? Um, I, I'm a total not, nerd for this stuff. So can't say can't say that I do. No I'm one does. Yes, it probably means something where uh, you would like advertising time or something. It's a very straightforward statistic in that a share measures the number of televisions tuned to your program. So, Matt, if every single TV currently watching something at mm. the time, is tuned to it, that's 100% if you have every television. Right. So it's how many, okay. at 8 p.m. on a Saturday when the XFL kicks off, how many televisions in America that are on and being watched are watching the XFL? They call it a share. It's a percentage, essentially. Okay, so this is broadcast as a percentage. Right. And so, a of, five so it's sh- out of 100. A five share would say that 5% of all televisions currently on in America during the game were watching the XFL. Okay, so at any basically any given 100 households, yes. five of them would be watching this XFL. Now that's what they promised. And and now you got to remember too, this was in 2000, a very different time for television. Today, your average sort of CBS procedural show maybe will get a 2 rating, give or take. Sunday night football in 2017, the highest watched show on television scored a 6.2 share. That tells you how far TV ratings have dropped, where where, where the XFL doing a 5 is kind of an average number. Hmm. Um, Matt, the, rating, the national ratings came in for the XFL. They couldn't believe it. They were targeting a 5. That was their floor. 9.5 watched the XFL kickoff. That's 9.5% of U.S. households tuned to the XFL. That's a higher share than that year's um, ALCS, baseball. Right. Um, it was which, which yeah. Mm-hmm. A phenomenal success for NBC. I, I think they didn't rival the World Series, didn't they? It? it was close. I think the World Series beat it, but only slightly. I mean, it was in league Slight. with major sports at the time. That was the, uh, that was the Mets-Yankees World Series in 2000. Mm-hmm. The yep. Subway Series World Series, right? Yep. Um, but you're saying that you're saying that this this premier game uh, almost rivaled that. How? How would you say? What what factors um, contributed to the XFL having an unusually high um, ceiling? 
Well, you-, you know, again, you got to remember, uh, Sunday night historically hadn't had really, or Saturday night hadn't really had any quality programming. And they were maybe arena football, but there weren't any really sports on Saturday night. There really wasn't any original programming on Saturday night. Um, and so I think it was pretty surprising. Uh, it wasn't surprising that people would be interested in original content at that time. The other interesting thing about that too is that that 9.5 was even higher when you're looking only, as we talked earlier, about that prime male demographic, uh, that those young males tuned in heavily to the XFL, much heavier than anything else on TV at that time. And that's extremely, as we talked about, extremely valuable. Um, and of course, there's always the looky-loo. I mean, you see today... A lot of t- you see all t- oh the number one new show on television this fall. Yeah, every show says that it's because everyone tuned into the first episode to check it out. It's about how many people tuned into the second one. You can't really take the ratings from the first one and extrapolate it. It's very hard to do. So NBC gets a lot of credit. They marketed the hell out of the thing. Got a lot of people to check it out. Good for them. I would love to see. They don't normally track this. I would have loved to have seen the drop off over the game. How many people tuned out as the game went on? They don't. They they didn't track it for this particular game, but. Um, it, uh, that would have been interesting to see. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, from start to finish, how many people would have tuned out? Yeah, by by, by quarter, or by the half, how many people had had changed the channel? Yeah, because it, it, yeah, it, it, it was a game that seemed to have diminishing returns. Like, as it was going, it was just getting more and more boring by the minute. I mean, yep. there were a couple of spikes, you know, the scoring here and there, but it was a route. It was a complete route. Um, very boring game in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's alternate game. You know, the, the one that was regionally broadcast was, was much more exciting. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they actually bailed on it and, and just like switched to Cause that, that never happens. That doesn't, that never, you would never see that happen in the NFL or in any major sport for that matter. You, you wouldn't just, I mean, so most of the time, baseball, the MLB, is regionally broadcast. Um, so they would, it's not like they would just flip. They, they, would, they wouldn't be allowed to flip to like another regionally broadcast game. It would violate blackout rules and restrictions. But if we're talking NFL, like, you know, you, that, does that has you ever, have you ever see, experienced that? Where like well, a game is not over, is not completed yet, and they're going to completely – they would completely flip to another game? Not in – afternoon programming but if you think about it nfl primetime programming there's only ever one game being played so So it's not like sunday night football they couldn't switch um i think you know on all the research we've seen this is intent there's a reason why they schedule these games to be played at the exact same time this was the plan all along well it's not that they did this out of panic and and they had planned to say if a game is boring we're going to the other game um, and that's why they play them simultaneously. So that was part of their plan all along. Maybe smart. I, you know, as a fan, I think it's it's frustrating. Although, you know, I I don't know, Matt. Do you think it's a good idea to switch a game halfway through? Let's say no. the NFL, let's say the NFL came out and said, um, uh, starting on Sunday nights, we're now going to play two games simultaneously. One will be regionally telecast, the other national, and we we may switch between them. No, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Because I think you you lose no matter what you lose. Like I mean. Sure, the other game might be more "quote unquote" exciting, but there are fans of 
these teams that are expecting to wa- to be able to watch well, these teams, and I think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose their loyalty. But they the, won't they won't lose loyalty to the team, but you'll lose loyalty to that network if if they just if you do that on a whim. But the thing I will say is that, yeah. um, and the XFL did this was that if you were if in the area where the team was from, so in Las Vegas and in New York, New Jersey. They kept that game on. They didn't switch okay. it. They only switched it nationally, not regionally. Uh, I, I still don't. I still don't think it's a good idea. I get where you're coming I, I from. I still think it's it's risky because I think there's a certain amount of investment that you know when you're watching a game. I'll, even if a game isn't exciting or you know has is a is a blowout or a route, I'll usually stick with it. I mean, and I think it's hard to and jump into the second game at that point. Yeah, too, because you don't exactly. know what's been going on. You you just see a score, and you don't know what's injury. You don't know what injuries there've been. You don't know what plays there've been. You don't you know you don't. It's there's no context for when you switch. But then I was thinking about it's like I but I love the red zone where they're constantly flipping games. Yeah, you know that's the whole premise. Yeah. So it's I wonder if I feel like in 2000 this is a risky idea, but I wonder if in 2018 where. Attention spans certainly seem shorter, and people are flipping the channels more often. I do wonder if a concept like that might be more mm. fair. The problem is then you only have two games you're flipping between, so God forbid they both suck. I, then I think the really people want to have the control, though. I think That's that now, true. Now, now with something like Red Zone and with um, with, with the NFL chat, like people want to, they want to be the, they want to have the agency. They want to be the ones that say, okay, screw this game. I'm I'm putting the other game on like when they want to do it not and not not let the network decide. I mean it certainly is an interesting idea. I mean, you know, again, we talked about the XFL trying a lot of new things. That's not one of their, you know, it's one of their better ideas, I would say, at least worth at least worth trying. So, yeah, it, and it and it was it was something new and the the XFL was very innovative. Uh, as we'll we'll talk about, and we have talked about in the past as well, um, and we'll continue to talk about their their areas that they innovated in, like the the Bubba Cam, the Madden Cam, <laughs> uh, the locker room cam, the cheerleader locker, locker room yes, cam, which we're definitely going to get to. Indeed, uh, Matt. That's the uh, that's the end of the game. Las Vegas Outlaws 19, New York, New Jersey Hitmen 0. Also in your B game, Orlando Rage 33, Chicago Enforcers 29. Uh, a much more high-scoring outcome there. And that's the end of the, the first game, the debut of the XFL, Matt. Yeah, what a day it Things was. Things are looking up. Critically savaged, but people watched. People were there. The question is, will they come back for Week 2? The question is, will our fans come back for Chapter 4? Well, we're going to talk all about the Week 2 game. Um, if you thought uh, the kickoff game was exciting, who boy, do we have some some real shenanigans happening in week two? Yeah, uh, the um, this is the, they should have just named it the SFL, the Shenanigans Football League, because it's full of shenanigans. You know, it's that old thing. It's that old saying: everything that can go wrong will. And for the XFL, that definitely happened, not just in week one, but also in week two. Uh, and we're gonna go. Can you believe we just spent a whole hour talking about a single football game? Um, we're gonna do it again next week. Hope everybody joins us. Our uh, website, of course, upfordebate.tv. You can get the entire Up for Debate presents uh, the XFL saga there. If you missed past episodes, uh, or click the subscribe button and see how to get our shows on any device you listen to on Overcast, Apple Podcasts, now on Spotify, which is great. 
um, or really anywhere you get podcasts, we're going to be there. And the video version on YouTube as well. Check out Matt and mine, Sweet Gear. We didn't even talk about Rod Smart, He Hate Me. That's how much there was to talk about this game. We went right, we went right. What? What's that on the back of his jersey? It says, he hate me. Who hate him? The, he hate him. He they hate, hate him. <laughs> the um, announcer running up, Rod, Rod, why does the back of your jersey say he hate me? Because they hate me, and they hate me. And he ate me, and, and she ate me too. They all hate me because they ate me. Yeah, an iconic sports figure. Um, excellent. Uh, and uh, and I think that's it, man. Unless you've got uh, any 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 final words. Um, I, I think people should just check out the um, YouTube channel. The um, XFL YouTube channel. They could they could preview uh, week two's games if you want to uh, catch up on them and watch the full them broadcast before, before we talk about them and discuss them. And that way you could be you could be part of it. You could be part of the of the experience because that is what the X stands for. It stands for experience. Yes, the Experience Football League. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to do it for us on this episode. Thanks everybody out there for joining us. Hope you had as much fun as we did. We'll be back next time with Chapter Four. But until then, I am Sean. He is Matt. And that's going to do it. We'll see you next time for more XFL on Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.